Welcome back to the program. We all remember or have learned about FDR telling the nation that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. In fact, along with a clip from the King's speech, it's being used in a commercial for new technology that's designed to help us overcome what's considered everyone's worst fear, that of public speaking. Perhaps we remember Woody Allen fearing that the universe was expanding and that seemed like a good enough reason to skip school in 50s-era Brooklyn. The country is on the verge of economic disaster because we have elected officials who are afraid of voters, afraid of not being re-elected. The bottom line is that in a macro worldview, as well as in the intimacy of our personal lives, fear is a powerful motivator. But what would happen? How would the world change? How would we change if we could mitigate or eliminate that fear? That's what our guest, Patty Chang Anchor, set out to find out. Patty Chang Anchor is a writer, creator of the blog Facing 40 Upside Down. Her writing has appeared in numerous publications, and it is my pleasure to welcome her to the program today to talk about her new book, Some Nerve, Lessons Learned While Becoming Brave. Patty Chang Anchor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. I have no fear of being here speaking with you. Uh, Well, it's great to have you here. (laughs) As you've looked at this subject and talked to so many people about it, is fear something that that is inculcated in us from childhood? Why are some of us so much more afraid than others? You know, that's such an interesting question. I feel like um, there's no end to the diversity of where the fear comes from. You know, I, I think that for some people, uh, it is hardwired, you know, that uh, everyone in the family seems to have been anxious. Um, for others, it was their upbringing. I hear so often, like I, I say, oh, I had a Chinese mother who always wanted me to be careful. And then uh, people say, oh, well, I had a Jewish mother. Oh, well, I had an Irish mother. <laughs> it, it seems to cross cultures that um, there are, are moms who teach their kids to uh, uh, weigh risk very carefully and, and uh, watch wh- where you tread. Um, and then there are people who really have had traumatic experiences happen to them. And so like based on their life experience, what they know is that things end badly. And so it's hard to you know imagine a future where things could be different. Um, so I think it comes from all different directions. Um, I, I Very certainly a piece of it is programmed into us from evolution, right? Because it's a self protecting thing and fear can help you survive and so that piece of it you never really want to get rid of Um, but uh, regardless of where it comes from I feel like the sensation of having it is this very universal experience and the um, ability that we actually have to as you say mitigate it to work through it not let it stop us that's also universal I think that all of us have the ability to live a bigger life than we are what's so interesting is that there seems to be an arc to the fear that that most most people have, and that when they're going through adolescence, when they're teenagers, that the fear seems to dissipate. As a teenager, you're afraid of nothing. Then as you grow older, all the fear and all that programming that came from, from childhood, as you were talking about, all of that seems to come back again. Well, it's funny because I, 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 what you say is true, definitely. But I also feel that um, for some people, the most painful experiences of adolescence, of like um, being afraid of what other people think of you and of being um, humiliated mm-hmm. in front of the popular kids. Like I, I feel like a lot of people um, who are good at being reckless, like who are good at sports, who are good at you know throwing themselves into the ring and doing well, that's one way to go. And then there are lots of people for whom adolescence is this, you know. Uh, 
wanting to hide from the world experience, and then as they grow older, they get some more confidence because they learn what it is they're good at. Um, uh, I read one study that said that the teenage brain, um, actually it forms uh, one's opinion of oneself based on what other people think, that that's like a very important component of how we feel about ourselves. But as you get older, um, uh, you can develop the sense of self that is independent of what other people think. And so I felt for me that um, having these teenage experiences that, you know, could scar you, um, you need to tell yourself, you know, I'm not that teenager anymore. I am an adult. Um, and so I am both able to, you know, think rationally through things and make good decisions and also to, to say, okay, this is um, not my issue. It's your issue for thinking of me this way. And then I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, not let that stop me from, from trying new things. How much of fear-based thinking comes from having more to lose, having more at risk? As people get older, as they have kids, for example, sometimes they're more afraid to try things, even to embarrass themselves, than they would before the kids were around. Having something to lose seems to be a big component in, in the degree of fear that we have. Absolutely. I mean, I think that having kids for people... Um, it, it, the, the desire to self-protect for the safe, for the sake of the children is huge. Um, I, I think that is programmed into us, and um, I think it should be heated. You know, like I, I for one, I, I'm not about to go, to, you know, um, uh, jumping out of an airplane <laughs> or, or something that is a, 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 a huge unnecessary risk. Um, uh, but uh, at the same time, I think having kids can also be this motivator um, to to model courage to model taking good risks, to model um, uh, not letting something stop you from living a full life just because something might not end well. You know, it's like in life, all sorts of things might not end well, um, but uh, you need to decide where um, it's worth it uh, to, to, to put yourself out there. Um, I think that having more to lose is a huge thing for people who have a fear of failure because um, the flip side to that is fear of success, right? It's like the more you achieve, um, the higher the expectations are, the more pressure there is, and the farther down there is to fall. Um, and I think that the more uh, successful you are often, um, the less willing you are, even if you're not happy doing what you're doing, um, the scarier it is to think about starting over or to, to try something different. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that these are all things that uh, can wear on us and can nibble away at our lives until they're smaller than they need to be. What is the nexus, as you've seen it, between the fear we have about things and the degree to which we have any control over them? Oftentimes, those things that we can control the least are the things that, that we fear the most, but that's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, I think that overall, the feeling of not being in control of things can be, you know, very scary. Mm. <laughs> we would all rather uh, feel like we could have some hand in, in having uh, avoiding pain and, and suffering. Um, uh, what's interesting to me, though, is that for me, I felt... Uh, like I wanted to avoid risks in um, doing activities, you know, like, I, oh, I might hurt myself, you know, I don't want to uh, go biking because I might fall down, like th that, that kind of uh, a level. I, don't, I didn't want to go in the ocean because I was afraid of drowning. I didn't, um, uh, but actually, I think in developed countries, it's 2% of all fatalities are motor vehicle fatalities, and then all other accidents combined are 2%. So the vast, vast majority of um, our deaths are caused by illness, 
they're caused by heart disease and, and cancer. And so if we wanted to have some element of control over our destiny, um, we would all be eating right and going to the gym. You know, like that's the positive action you can t- take as opposed to keeping yourself from going out and, and having fun. One of the things you talk about is this, this aspect of having fun, that oftentimes it is fear that chokes off the spontaneity of life, the fun. Do we get to a certain point, or do some people get to a certain point, where that doesn't matter anymore? They, they begin to accept themselves for who they are, they accept their fears for what they are, and they simply live within that framework. Is that a good or a bad thing, necessarily? Oh, you know, I don't want I, I to say that it's a good or a bad thing, but it is a choice. You know, so um, many, many people will say, I'm perfectly happy with my fear of heights. Like, I don't need to go on a chairlift. I don't need to go up to the top of the Empire State Building. If there's a window, I'm just going to stay away from it. It doesn't affect my life at all. Um, And uh, that can be okay, you know. But if it stops you from going places and doing things that um, matter to you, if it stops you from visiting people, um, the the fear of flying especially, I feel like, is a very powerful visceral fear. Um, It can be a tough one to get over. And people will say, it's okay, it's okay, I don't need to get on a plane. But actually, like, you know, what family occasions are you missing out on? Um, What uh, experiences and connections are are you not able to have? Um, that, that's where you you want to think. Okay, is my life actually more comfortable, um, or am I just telling myself that? And uh, I, I feel like those are the the fears that are really worth um, uh, suffering through the fear in order to get to the other side and and see what joy can be waiting for you there. And in many respects, it has a a larger component, which is that it really goes to the heart of our worldview, of how we see the world, the proverbial half-empty versus half-full glass, in Mm. that if we see danger lurking around every corner, our fear quotient is so much higher. Right, right. Um, And I I feel like I've realized that the... There, danger exists. You know, danger exists uh, within our own bodies. It exists within our, our within our own homes. Um, I uh, got whiplash standing in my own bathroom because my daughter knocked into me, <laughs> and like um, I have uh, given myself a fat lip parallel parking my car because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> my window wasn't rolled down and I bashed my face into. The- <laughs> so uh, it's like you can hurt yourself anywhere at any time. Um, uh, there is real stuff out there that could hurt you. It, 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 there's value in being able to judge what are um, uh, risks not worth taking. Uh, but at the same time, wonderful stuff exists. Surprises exist. You know, things that you never saw coming that are terrific. It connections with other people, um, possible changes in career. Uh, it, so that hiding yourself from um, the possibility of discomfort or the possibility of, of pain uh, can limit you from things that would be really expensive and, and the things that make life worth living. It really is tied up in that whole sense of fear of change and fear of failure and this unwillingness sometimes, exactly as you're saying, to not really want to get out of our comfort zone. And I suppose as the world gets more complicated and things are speeded up, there's even more of a tendency to sort of stay in that comfort zone. And my comfort zone was so small. <laughs> um, it, was, it was the size of my tush, basically, like sitting on the bench, <laughs> like cheering my kids, you know. Um, the, the, the problem is that fear gravitates 
to um, to lonely people sitting on their couches. You know, it's like the more you hold yourself back, the more fear comes. It's like you think that you're protecting yourself from discomfort and pain and fear, but it actually it comes to you because there isn't anything else in your life but, like, imagining worst-case scenarios. And so I, I feel like the only way um, to to beat that back is to push against it, is to actually get up and do things and try things and get different input from different people um, so that there's less room in your mind um, for all the negative thoughts. I, I, I call it my Greek chorus of perpetual doubt. You know, <laughs> that's always there saying, you know, why are you doing this? You don't have to be doing this. You know, just sit this one out. This could, uh, this could end badly. People will think bad things about you. Um, those negative voices, uh, if you sit still um, and you don't go out of your house, those voices are going to completely take over. But the more you push yourself out and show yourself that you can, you have the capacity to learn and grow and try new things and to um, survive the outcome, whatever it is, like whether it's positive or negative, that you are a resilient person, um, it sort of proves to yourself that um, you don't have to be in this loop of perpetual doubt, you know, that you could be in this... Um, space of possibility. And did you find in your own experience and from the people that you spoke with that it was self-perpetuating in that sense that once you got out of the comfort zone once, even for a small thing, it, it allowed you to do something else, which allowed you to do something else, which continued to expand your horizons? It, that is the typical response, is that someone faces their fear of um, uh, of blowing bubbles in the pool and all of a sudden feels more confidence in her job. You know, um, people uh, who face their fear of driving, um, that's a really big one, you know, and that's something that opens up every avenue in your life because you're able to go places. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden you're able to, uh, to to face different fears of, you know, the beach because you never went to the beach before, uh, uh, that kind of thing. So... Um, a lot of the time people say, what's the point? Like, why should I spend the energy on doing this when I'm perfectly comfortable the way I am? And I feel like you don't know the point. And that's the point, <laughs> is that you don't know where it could lead. Um, and over and over again, I, I feel like people meet interesting people when you're out there uh, trying to face a fear. It's like if you get a really good teacher um, to teach you how to uh to drive or to swim, um, if you go up onto a ropes course and you bring a friend, that's a huge bonding experience. Um, you know, it's like studies show that, like, scary experiences are more bonding than cozy, comfortable ones. So, like, we should all take our blind dates um, out on a ropes course <laughs> <laughs> or, or to the amusement park. Um, but when you do those things and you feel that excitement and you do it with other people, that's not an experience you're going to get sitting by yourself or, like, holding yourself back, like being on the bench, right? You're never going to feel those feelings of connection and um, meaning. And I think that is actually the greatest fear of all, is that we're not going to live a meaningful life and that at the end of it we're going to be like, uh, you know, did I make the most out of my time and did I make the most impact? And when the fears hold you back from making any kind of impact, I mean, that's a choice. Um, and it's that's not the kind of life that I wanted my kids to have. And so pushing myself to model um, something a bit braver, uh, I feel like has opened up so many doors for me. And I just want everyone else to have that. You've written about 
being in your 40s, is there that, that you have seen a kind of chronological sweet spot for becoming brave? That uh, Can you teach the proverbial old dog new tricks? Is there a point you get to where it's too late? No, never, 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 never. Let me tell you, um, there's a swim, um, there's an aquatic therapist uh, who I know who um, had a client who was 92 years old and did not swim. Um, And what happens to us as we age is that if we don't push back and try new things, like we are going to self-limit just because physically our bodies are going to get older. And so our capacity to do things is, is going to limit itself unless we, you know, work out, keep ourselves strong, um, keep our skills up, our coordination up, our mental agility, like do all the things that we're supposed to be doing, right? Um, but this woman was 92, and she was able to overcome her fear and learn how to swim, became an avid lap swimmer until she died at the age of 95. And... That is an example of, like, it's never too late. Um, But think if she had done this when she was in her 40s. She would have had 50 years of happy swimming. Mm. Um, I hear stories all the time of uh, people with a fear of flying who um, put it off and put it off, and then all of a sudden necessity changes things. You know, um, a friend of mine's mom, I think she was in her 60s, she didn't fly, um, but then she became widowed. And her husband, who used to drive her everywhere, was no longer available. And she realized she wasn't going to see her family unless she got on an airplane. And so she finally did it. It opened up her world. Now she can go on vacation. She can go see friends. Like, she's so much happier. And her son said, it's great. I'm so glad that she finally did it. But think of all those years, you know, like think of all the things she could have done with her husband when he was alive. Um, so I feel like, yes, the message is absolutely that it's never too late, but it's also never too soon. Whatever age you are, you could start tomorrow. You could start doing something that you've, you've never done before. Um, I think the 40s are an excellent time, though, because uh, if, if you're raising kids and um, they're coming out of that really high-maintenance, intense, young period where you're just giving everything to them, um, there's a little bit of extra energy floating around. Um, And trying to figure out, okay, am I going to spend that energy um, watching reality TV, which I do a lot of. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yay, amazing race. You know, like, I love the voice because I see other people's dreams come true, right? I see other people pushing past their fear. Um, You could choose to spend your time doing that. Or you could get yourself um, a swim lesson or you could go to Toastmasters and work on public speaking so that you could actually propose a toast at your friend's wedding. Um, There are all sorts of things that we can do with that energy that would uh, expand our lives rather than just let us, you know, gravitate to the couch. Do you find that men and women approach this differently, approach facing their fears differently? Um, I feel like in, in some respects men have it harder because a, a number of them have said to me that they feel like it's not acceptable for them to show fear. And so um, in some areas, they've had to push past it sooner. Um, they feel like, oh, I'm the one in the relationship who has to drive. So even if I'm not comfortable with it, I can't let that stop me because otherwise no one in the family will drive. Um, uh, I went on to a ropes course with four friends who have a fear of heights, and there were four women and one guy. And I asked him, you know, did you feel pressure to to do the challenge um, because you're the only guy? And he said, yeah. He said, I didn't want to be the only one that didn't do it, you know, and, and to be the, the man. Um, so I think that men uh, 
often have a harder time talking about it um, and showing it, but the feelings are there. You know, many, many men um, shared with me that they're uh, scared of swimming or uh, because it's hard for them to show uh, the vulnerability, they just won't go anywhere near it. You know, so men who don't drive just live in the city. Like, they're just not going to be put into that position. Um, So the stories in the book are, uh, I I went in thinking that it was going to be mostly women um, just because I felt growing up like it was okay to say I wasn't good at sports because I'm a girl, and that somehow carries over into lots of different areas. Um, But uh, there are lots of, of stories of men. Um, in the book as well. And what did you find, finally, that was the most pervasive fear that held people back? I think that it all comes down to a fear of pain, you know, and that is physical pain, emotional pain, um, uh, psychic pain. None of us wants to be uh, uncomfortable. We don't want to be hurt, and we don't want to be alone, um, fundamentally. And that's so natural. You know, that's absolutely – so I I feel like a lot of people are embarrassed that they they hold fear over certain things, and some things are irrational, you know, and they know it, and yet they have this, you know, out-of-proportion fear um, of spiders or of uh, escalators or name it. And um, what I wanted to uh, say to people is that it's so normal – you know, it's like a lot of fear books are like, there's something wrong with you and we must fix it. And I don't agree with that at all. I think that it's far more normal to have fears than not. Um, and I don't think that we need like a dramatic personality transplant in order to get over it. You know, I think that that's why the book is called Some Nerve. It's like you don't need all the nerves in the world. You just need a little bit to start pushing in one direction. And all of a sudden... Um, things open up and uh, possibilities open up and then one thing leads to another and you don't know where where you'll end up. Um, so, yeah, and I think that also we have a much higher threshold for actually tolerating pain than we think. So, like, we want to avoid any measure of pain. It's like all we have to fear is fear itself. Like, I was afraid of just feeling <laughs> nervous you know, just feeling palpitations, feeling dry mouth, feeling out of my element, not knowing what's going to happen next. Like, just those sensations is what I was trying to avoid. Forget about, you know, the drowning and the <laughs> falling off the the bike. And, the, like, it wasn't just that. It was just the feeling that I, it might not, that I didn't want to, want to have. And actually, when you start going, uh, putting yourself in that situation of feeling those feelings over and over again, you realize that you can get past them. It's like the the body is wired to feel those sensations first and then figure out what to do and do it. And so if you can just let the feelings come, then on the other side of it is courage. The other side of it is bravery, is your ability ability to do what you need to do. Um, And you won't know that unless you let the fear feelings come. Patty Chang, anchor. The book is Some Nerve, Lessons Learned While Becoming Brave, just out from Riverhead Books. Patty, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. What a pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.